Welcome to the Make It Count podcast. Today we're talking about the future. Woohoo! Everyone likes the future. You were experts on the future, aren't we? Well, actually, I was listening to something the other day and they were saying it goes back to this quote from um, Pascal, Blaise Pascal, uh, but they weren't referencing it. But it's this idea of we spent so much time in the future or in the past, but not in the now. They're talking about a book called The Power of Now. Mm. I've not read it, but maybe it's worth getting. Oh, I was thinking about a different quote. I thought it was Bezos, who famously, the Amazon dude, yeah, yeah. who famously said, it's easier to create the future than it is to predict it. Sure, yeah. Yeah, I think I've heard something like that. Which it's is a quite... completely different uh, completely different line of thinking. This, the power of now and Blaise Pascal's thing was, we rob ourselves of living because mm. we're either daydreaming about the future or we're reminiscing about the past. We're trying to stop the past from slipping through our grasp mm. or we're trying to arrange the future so that when we get there, it's enjoyable. Mm. But in doing so, we never actually enjoy the now. Yeah, great. So there's some initial thoughts about nothing to do with what we're actually going to talk. Yeah, that was a mini podcast. Yeah, great stuff, eh? Um, but yeah, actually, one of the things that's come up in the last few episodes is something we talked about, but the question, what will your future self thank you for? Many things. Like what, Matt? Like all the good things I'm doing now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, for example, I'm just enjoying the look you're giving me. And everybody's like, oh, why is he like this? Um, so, you know, for, we've spoken about plenty of stuff to do with habits before, but you know, journaling, spending time in sort of silence and stillness, prayerful meditation, exercise, developing my skills with work, these sort of things, and obviously spending time with people, investing in relationships. Hmm. So... All the things that, yeah, I, I suppose that's a key word, isn't it? Investing. All those things are investments for the future. Mm. But also, they carry some of that intrinsic enjoyment now. Mm. And this is actually the title of a book by Drew Dick, What Will Your Future Self Thank You For? And it's a really good book. And so maybe in the future, we will come out and do that as a sort of book review. I think yeah. it's a quite a powerful book quite all-encompassing so really good but we're not talking about that we're just generally talking about the question and i think the question is important because most of us aren't thinking about our future self very mm. often not in any sort of tangible way and i can't remember where i heard this but someone once talked about when we do think about our future self they're often a superhero yeah <laughs> what do you what do you mean well, what do I mean? You said it. <laughs> yeah. But I agreed. I th I'm not sure where it comes from. It might be from Drew's book, but it's this idea of we we often put things off and we go, I'll get round to this in a couple of months or next year, you know, when I've got a bit more time and energy and I'll be like, I'll be able to do it then. I'm more committed then. Uh, and effectively, all the stars align in this vision of our future self mm. and we will be able to do the things that we aren't doing now yeah. and it's we'd view them as if they're a different person than we are yeah so generally the future self is a superhero who is a leveled up version of ourself who has more time more energy and more resources yeah. and is more on top of life and doesn't 
waste all their time on social media, TV, and all the other things that we like doing, but also we realise at the end of a massive binge, that maybe it wasn't as what I wanted to do at that time. Mm. Which is interesting because I read an email by Keith Webb, it's like an email through by Keith Webb this last couple of days ago, and he referenced two psychologists who studied this, and they said, on average, you will be the same level of busyness in two weeks as you are now. Yes. And the same level in a month as you are now. But when we start thinking longer than that, when we make long-term commitments, we don't think about that. Sure. And so they said, really, you would never say yes to that commitment if you had to do it immediately. Yeah. So thinking about that, what is the like commitment you would be willing to make if you had to do this project in the next two weeks? Yeah. And if you can't fit it in, you're not magically going to be able to fit it in in nine weeks' time or yeah. nine months' time or a year's time. Sure. I remember hearing about this a, lot, a while ago, actually, reading exactly the same thing. They said, if I can't fit in a social engagement in the next two weeks, I'm not going to have the time to do it in six months' time or a couple of months' time. And I'm sure that would be, might not be the thing that silver bullet, instantly you change all your practices, but it can be that reminder in the moment of choice maybe each given day am I going to spend half an hour on my essay now or maybe push that to tomorrow bring up those two scenarios in your mind again think which one do I want which one am I going to enjoy and am I going to thank myself for Mm. yeah because and we've talked about that visualising thing quite a lot in the last few episodes that idea of everything is created twice and that's the important thing we move towards that visual and if we don't think of our future self one as ourself instead of just some other person this superhero version of ourselves that's not helpful think of them as yourself and and i think we just don't do that intentional visualizing very well i mean i was even thinking about a recently um, someone started a discovery session with me yep. we we're just sitting down we're having a conversation about where they might want to be and we started, even just in that 25, 30-minute conversation, starting to put a little bit of a, wait, well, where would you like to be? Mm. And at the end of the session, they go, oh, ugh, I already can see it. I've never thought about that before. I can already see a picture of where we're moving towards. Uh-huh. Next time we met was for the first proper session. Yeah. They'd already started moving loads. There was wow. so much momentum, even just from the like free 30-minute conversation because they'd started to imagine it in their head. Yep. And yeah, you can do that. That's amazing. And I think, uh, I mean, it's the principle, isn't it, of we we move towards what we can visualise. So whether that's, we've got, there's sporting examples of this. So in a penalty shootout in in football, Mm. if the goalkeeper moves a lot and you look at the goalkeeper the evidence basically shows you are more likely to shoot close to the goalkeeper. Whereas if, you know, basically where your attention is, that's where you're going to shoot. Same thing when, for example, you're riding a bike. Um, apparently, when you're like doing mountain biking down a hill, the most important thing is to not look at the trees and the rocks. Look at the path where you want to go because you will follow your gaze. Mm. You know, you'll follow where you're looking. And so I think it's a similar thing, maybe not quite as direct, but if I can't imagine the desired future, I'm not going to be able to move towards there because I don't even have a direction or a picture in mind. Mm. And so for both of us, we, we're we quite physically active. 
we're quite intentional with how we're exercising and how we're moving. But the people we often listen to are the ones that say, hey, these are the really good things for long-term health, whether it's a bit of flexibility, quite a bit of strength, and um, some balancing stuff, like these sort of concepts and, and thinking, yeah, that's what I want to be fit for. I want to be, I don't want to be a bodybuilder, I, you know, if, however big. And muscles on muscles. Swollen, <laughs> as it were. Actually, I want to be someone that is fit and able to move without pain when I'm elderly, if yeah. I get to be elderly. Um, yeah. And and that is actually a different, that's a different goal, but it is a goal. And it's me thinking, hey, yeah, I can imagine myself being 70 and walking without pain and moving and I'm lean and actually, yeah, that's that's the picture and it's not just because you'll have bionic legs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll be a cyborg then, so it's easy. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm experiencing some of the fruits of my labours um, this week even. A lot of stuff working on my lower body flexibility and strength. Just my joints are in better places than they've been in years. And just this week, I actually got injured playing football. Uh, my knee got forced the wrong way inwards and it, a lot of pain but even just a couple of days after that I'm starting to be able to walk with, without too much pain again and you know we've already you've already taken me through some of the exercises but if I hadn't done those things and my knee wasn't as supple as it was mm. it could have just torn the ligament rather than just you know or completely ruptured it rather than just overstrained it um, and that would be it gone for months and months and potentially never the same stability ever again mm. and so yeah I'm really thankful for that and I'm thankful to my past self for that and so I'm thinking now for the future yeah as much as yeah, well another example on sport when I went to university I joined a football team and one of my first games with them playing on a rubbish, dodgy pitch, kind of holes everywhere. It was a bit of a boggy day. I sprained my ankle. But I was quite a young lad, and so I was like, okay, well, I need to look after it for a few days. And that was literally as far as my, my, my mindset on recovery went, a few days, and then it'll be fine. And as soon as basically I was walking around on it and I didn't feel any pain, I thought, great, no problem. I played football the next weekend. Of course, what did I do? I re-sprained it because it wasn't strong yet. Yeah, I could walk on it, but I couldn't run on it. I couldn't radically change directions really quickly. And so I completely destroyed my ankle over the next few weekends as I, I continued to play and re-sprained it three or four times. Mm. And so now, like, well, my future self was absolutely hating my younger self then. But now, having learned that lesson, I know that in this situation now, Yes, as much as I would like to play football again next week or the week after, actually the best thing is going to be uh, stay off. And probably not just for a little bit, but for an extra little bit after that. Because mm -hmm. you're not going to suffer from extra recovery. And that's that's the thing. That's why I talked about those four things. I think three things I said, but one I didn't. Uh, but the idea of some flexibility, yep. some strength, some balance... And, and there is some cardio as well. Yeah. But the cardio is easy. You can get that with walking, really. But the strength is the interesting one because if you are stronger, it means you are, one, less likely to fall. And two, if you do fall, less likely to hurt yourself. Yeah. Because that's the sort of, there's a link, I think, with osteoporosis and stuff like that. And you see in a lot of elderly people, they start waddling. 
Well, that is a partly a lack of strength, partly a lack of balance that actually in the hip flexibility as well. Right. And so it doesn't, you know, it sounds like a lot. Oh, how do I get strong and flexible and balanced and get the cardio in? And, you know, I don't have time for three hours of exercise a day. Yeah, you're right. You don't. And, and you don't does need either. that either. Yeah, exactly. You don't need that. Um, most people would say two sessions of strength a week, you know, of not even 20 minutes, probably mm. depending on if it's maintenance as opposed to getting really big. But actually, if we all did that, not only would it be beneficial for ourselves in terms of our physical health, and probably in the short term, our immediate mental and emotional health, yeah. many people find exercise beneficial for that, it's actually beneficial for everybody. Yeah. You know, they estimate that being physically active is brilliant for um, general disease prevention. Right. And so... In the, in the UK, we have the NHS. Well, that is overwhelmed by people who have lifestyle diseases. Yeah. And, and actually, you save the country money if, if, you're, if you say stay physically active and healthy. Yeah. And if you're not in a country which has the NHS, you save, you save yourself. yourself a lot of money from lifestyle diseases. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. I hadn't thought about that link before. And I suppose the other side of it as well being, I I'm, I don't I haven't read the study myself. I haven't looked into the data, but I would be very surprised if it doesn't hang out that people that are physically fit are also much like more likely to take less sick days, much more likely to effectively be able to show up with more energy in the workplace. Mm. I mean, a, a phrase not many people use anymore. They used to use it quite a lot, but this idea of quality of life, really. Right. If you are physically healthy, there's a quality of life. I can't remember who said it, but they were saying that when you're healthy, you don't care about physical health. But as soon as you're unhealthy, if you're mm. physically unhealthy or ill or any sort of disease, that's the most important thing. Sure. That affects everything. Nothing else is, yeah. is good if you're physically unhealthy. And um, that, that's true. We've all experienced it. Like now, you've injured your knee. Nothing else matters. You know, that's the thing it's that the you think about. It's the immediate all thing. The time. Yeah, you feel pain. It's there every time. You take a step. So yeah, yeah. And everyone goes. So why do you play football? No, we're not going to go there. <laughs> but so, but when you're talking about your future self, it is those things, and it's other things as well. Yep. I think we talked about physical health, relational health. Oh, that's massive. We haven't got like loads of time to talk about that, but I would say it's just as big and just as important. I mean, we've obviously, we're coming out of or with, who knows, we've still got the pandemic, but of course there's been for a number of years now people talking about the the unspoken pandemic or the unspoken em endemic of loneliness or, you know, basically poor poverty of relationships. And people, especially I think men in Western societies, realising in their middle life, in mid-age, I don't have any friends. Mm. Like, if I were to ask, you know, someone, oh, can you come around and do a favour for me, you know, and lean on the relationship, there there would be no one. Mm. So, you know, oh, wow, that's not a good legacy. And what was it you were saying? Um, was it? I'm sure we've mentioned it before, but the idea of effectively loneliness um, or poor he relational health has as many negative physical um, effects as things like smoking and being overweight and mm -hmm. things like that. 
Yeah. So having good relationships is good for the short term and long term. And I mean, maybe this isn't necessarily a future self, but I'm in terms of maybe it's more of a reflection of the priorities of our society at the moment, which is work hard, play hard, you know, busy all the time. And actually into that fill every space with something. We often don't create space for the relationships because they're not productive and efficient. Sure. <laughs> but actually, in terms of your lifespan, your quality of life, your happiness in life, relationships are key and vital. And I think everybody's future self is going to thank them for taking some time to invest and build friendships. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I th- I don't think most of us really want to wake up in 30 years time and go, I've got no friends. Hmm. Actually, you want to wake up in 30 years time and go, I know these people really well. They know me really well. And uh, they're they're strong in relationships. Absolutely. And yeah, I think plenty of people have had that experience of look around after a decade or two into their career or whatever, realise they've built up a lot of maybe prestige, reputation, wealth, financially and materially. But they look around and they go, I'm poor, poorer than I was Mm. because either I've no one to share it with or I've estranged or not necessarily it's all terrible, but I've just let those relationships wither Mm. and nobody knows me and I don't know anybody. And so one of the things I wrote down in preparation for this is what is something you can do? You Mm. can literally just sit down and write down the question and write down your answer to it. Sure. Sometimes you might not know what time frame to give it you know, when I'm coaching, many times I'll start three, five, six months. Yeah. But sometimes in a coaching thing, I said, where well, do you want to be in five years, 10 years? Mm. That might di- direct what your immediate next step is. And so you might choose to that. Whatever it is, sit down, maybe write the question, choose a time frame yeah. and go for it. It's not a right or a wrong time frame. Mm. You're, you're building the strength of visualizing and then you start moving towards. And there are different areas you can look at where you want to be career where do you want to yeah. be physically emotionally mentally relationally spiritually you know all of these different aspects and that's that's part of the picture yeah i mean check out the the life check-in form on yep. your yeah, you'll yeah. do the link in the notes and that gives you the different life areas and also actually provides a couple of questions to think about these i really like the idea of and kind of mixing it with the obit your obituary thing that you got from donald miller and stephen covey the idea of you know, that's really far thinking into the future. And maybe, and I don't know which way people might want to try it, but perhaps go, yeah, what will my future 80 year old self thank me for? Mm-hmm. And then maybe bring that back. What will my future 40 year old thank yeah. me for? That's what and then Miller bring it back. And so you bring it back yeah. and then, you know, five years, one year, six months, three months. Yeah. But actually it could be equally as interesting to just go, okay, I start out today in three months time. What, what will my future self thank me for? In six months' time, and then work your way as far as you want to go. That could be quite interesting. And just, yeah, pick one or two of those areas only. Free to try. Make it simple. It's not complicated. Just enjoy it. Let us know what you find. Absolutely. I've, I've really enjoyed today's conversation, Dave. Um, <laughs> Thanks, Matt. <laughs> as we clunkily finish up this episode. Well, you nodded at me weirdly, so I was like, okay, well, he wants me to keep talking. In my defense, it was a normal nod. No, no, it was a very weird nod. Anyway, it's been an interesting conversation. I thought we were just going to finish with the action step, but we're living in a busy, noisy world. 
where there's often lots of overwhelm. And I suppose the question this week is, what will your future self thank you for in that world? Mm. How can we not overwhelm ourselves? How will our future self go, oh, I'm a bit more peaceful, I've got a little bit more margin than I did last year, mm. last month. So go make it count. <laughs>